0: this episode, I am joined by my sister and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the third season of His Dark Materials. This is an HBO Max series. It concluded with the third season, but left the door open to spinoffs and they kind of teased a potential one. I mean, vaguely as to you know, would star Lyra, which gee, she was the star of this, so go figure. And they covered a lot of ground in this season. A few of the characters that I kind of thought were written out last season come back. Some for just a, a scene or two, others for a bit more. Mm-hmm. We get the big war that had been, you know, building up for the the first two seasons, getting you know the groundwork laid. What got me though was that war happens in the penultimate episode, having me going into the the finale wondering, well, now what are they going to do? And it was a good episode, but it was it was epilogue-y.
1: It was epiloguey. It was sad. Yes, I mean, I've always said that Continuum had just the saddest happy ending ever.
0: Well, I mean, let's let's face it. This series was never the bright and cheerful thing. No. I mean, they, they they kill off one of the characters at the end of the first season in a very kind of brutal way. They'd had a few things leading up to it implying, you know, ah, if you're a kid, lifespan's not always that great. You know, and if you're an adult, not so much. So there was a lot of of down moments and stuff on this. Being close to Lyra is dangerous. Being close to the lead in any story, I think, is dangerous.
1: Or is that? Well, overall, let's start with this author has a pattern, if not a formula.
0: Yes. There were definitely aspects where I think they followed the books presumably fairly closely. And a friend of ours told us it was a faithful adaptation. I haven't read the books. I I, I trust this friend on this kind of stuff. And it did seem like about, I don't want to say the third, fourth episode, somewhere around the middle that's when the object of power comes in, the atheometer, the knife, the the what in the books was called the amber spyglass. Here, it was literally a disc of amber with some oil on it, mm-hmm. which worked. Yeah. It made sense, but it never seemed to have, as an object, the same kind of cachet or whatever as the knife or the atheometer. Yeah, Because, I mean, there are certain stories in which there is the object of power, you know, the lightsaber in Star Wars. Green Lantern's power ring, uh, the the Morpher and Power Rangers, those things, uh, you know. The, the King Arthur's sword, sort of, it's not just a thing, mm-hmm. it's a special thing.
1: Well, I was thinking of the, uh, and pocket watch is the wrong word,
0: but in Voyagers. Oh, the Omni. Yes. Yes, the Omni in Voyagers, not to be confused with the Gold Watch in the Girl of the Gold Watch and everything, which is a movie from late 70s, I think. Yeah, there are certain things like that. and. The knife and the aethiometer pretty much fit the bill. The knife, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. The atheometer being one of half a dozen, a little less so, but still. Mm-hmm. And this, it wasn't a spyglass, it was a lens at best. And she literally fishes it out of, not a pond. But the a, river. Yeah.
1: And any piece of amber will do.
0: Yes. Yes. Any piece of amber will do. Whereas obviously it's a very special knife, very particular knife. Yes. So, but the timing of that. The way it came out, again, it felt, and it may not have been the exact same spot every season, but it felt like it fit the pattern very well.
1: Each season had an individual on a journey separate from
0: the main arc. First season, it was Will. Second season, it was Lee Scoresby. This season, it was Mary, the scholar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't say that as a bad thing, but with some storytellers and clearly, this is one of those the more you experience their writing the more you see the patterns
1: the more you know what to expect
0: the less surprised you are i think that's the problem every storyteller faces is particularly if you have patterns you are inadvertently training your audience in those patterns whether you or they realize it or not mm-hmm. and this is one of the things i think robert kirkman like with the walking dead really did masterfully in places is he seemed, maybe unconsciously, to be aware of where the story was going from a reader perspective. And sometimes he'd lean into that and swerve. Sometimes he'd just swerve. Sometimes he'd just lean into that.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But he was very much toying with the emotions and expectations of the audience in a way that a lot of of creators and writers can't. And now that's not to say he was a brilliant writer, because there are quite a few examples in The Walking Dead where he's not. Others were definitely, he had some stuff. And here, with his dark material, there were a few things that it's okay. The side adventure, the object of power, a few things like that. It's like, yep, I get it. There were also a few places where, like in the finale of the series, one or two stories, plot lines that were still kind of dangling, just get cut off at the knees of, yep, let's build it up, let's build it up. Oh, we're done with it. And then there were a few things like what was the final state of uh, the Mysterium and stuff like that never addressed. No. There was an opportunity to bring some characters from the very beginning of the story back not done. Yeah. And I didn't need all of them, but one or two just symbolically would have been nice. Mm -hmm. And the series basically landed the ending, but in a bit of a non-traditional way. Again, most of it in the penultimate episode and then a full- episode of epilogue
1: when it's funny because when the way the war ended was i almost want to say ambiguous
0: well the war ends and then a thing happens afterwards that i'm like i'm not sure how to interpret that did somebody else just die did they escape did this happen what happened Yeah, this was supposed to be after the action that almost felt y right there but in a, a i don't get it kind of a way.
1: Well, and we're never given basically the consequences or repercussions
0: of winning the war. Well, yeah, like the commander they, Azrael basically recruited this season. Does he go back to his world? What happens to him? Mm-hmm. And again, war one, boom, those people are never to be seen again.
1: You. At one point, we have a voiceover at the beginning of an episode and it's giving, I think, kind of a, this is why we're fighting the war, if you will. There was, there was a couple of voiceovers. There, there were, but this particular one was talking about free thought.
0: Yes, free will, how all of religion is a lie or something.
1: Yes. And the way it was coming across to me was like, dust is the death of free thought.
0: Well, it was interesting because between watching seasons two and three, you'd done some research. yes. And found out that the author was basically writing kind of the anti Narnia story. Yes, yes. And was how how did you phrase it? A a Church of England atheist. Atheist, yes. And knowing that, when we hit that voiceover this season and a few other key places, it really reeked of a anti religion almost in the extreme.
1: Well, and one of the comments I had seen in one of those articles was that the author felt Narnia basically made the afterlife sound
0: too good. Well, and there was a whole episode or two devoted on how the afterlife not only is is a horrible kind of prison camp, but the whole concept of the afterlife is a lie. Yes, And that the whole point of the events of the overarching three-season story is to make the afterlife suck a little less. Not that you don't die still, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the other thing with the afterlife where the author of the books, I don't blame the writing crew on the the show, because I, again, haven't read the books, but I'm sure a lot of this came from there, because they seem to be doing you a fairly faithful thing, was when Lyra and Will decided to go to the World of the Dead, basically to try to rescue Roger from first season. And we find out when they get kind of like in the halfway point or whatever, that just like... Lyra has her demon, Pan, that's her soul. Everyone has their own personal death. Yes. That when you're ready to die, you can see them. And at which point I'm thinking, man, it's getting crowded in here. Yes. And then we finally get the reveal of like how Will's father had a demon and a few things like that. Some of it, it's like I get some of these worlds have their own mystic aspects or whatever, but it did seem to get a little – either freewheeling or just loose or a little overboard. And I thought we got one or two things this season where they had to re explain near the end of the thing, here's what demons are again, here's what you need to know and
1: Yeah. And Well, I wish I could remember that voiceover and how it connected dust and free thought. Exactly.
0: It was very much a the the whole point with the dust was to basically make everybody mindless slaves for them to control. Yeah. You know, and that, that organized religion or religion in general, take your pick, was a form of brainwashing. Yeah. So, there were definitely some points where I felt it went from a story with allegories to heaven and hell and maybe the angels are the demons, the demons are the angels, I don't know. I mean, there were a couple of things that were ambiguous there to the religion you're familiar with as uh, basic Christianity or whatever was, was portrayed as wrong, evil, etc. Yeah and there comes a point where it gets a little so heavy-handed mm-hmm. just in general of storytelling.
1: Well, and there's an aspect of the multiverse exists so that presumably the author can say it's not just organized Christianity that is mind washing, brainwashing. Oh, but and it's all that. It's
0: all organized religions. If we had seen another world that followed another we recognize- got we got the temple yeah but the temple was so generic
1: exactly and we we didn't see the people from the temple hunting the children we just got references
0: we got the, the reference to a temple which is just religious building okay in terms of it's not something where oh well, this is the, the the Jews the Muslims the mm-hmm. the whatever mm-hmm. you know if they had basically had something that was a you know a recognizable other religion, And spent enough time building that up that, oh, okay, you're not just slamming my religion, you're slamming all of them. Yeah. Not that that makes it any better. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It just makes it less specifically personal or whatever.
1: No, but it clarifies the author's intention or belief.
0: Yeah, but I think there were times where the original author, Philip Pullman, his intentions, I don't know, were that clear.
1: What I wanted to see happen- And the word intention is what's making me think of this, is when the intention craft was introduced and explained, I really wanted to see two people get in the intention craft.
0: Oh, were there two different intentions and therefore doesn't know what to do? Yes,
1: because the intention craft is powered by the demon and follows the intention.
0: Of the human, yeah. Yes, well, and it felt a little out of place, both with how it was introduced. It felt like you're getting a little Star Wars into my yes World War II era-ish show. And it, it just seemed like a level of technology. I mean, we'd seen blimps. We hadn't even seen planes.
1: Well, and that's the thing. It felt like Lord Asriel was the one who built it. Yeah. If Lord Asriel had said, this is something one of my allies brought. From one of the multiverse worlds.
0: Or we'd seen him in the real world long enough to go look at the aerospace museum or something. or I don't know. It, it, it felt a little out of the blue and more sci-fi than mystical fantasy almost for kind of mm-hmm. this world. That, that felt a little out of place. And again, it felt like the story got a little heavy-handed in some places where I want authors to have an opinion, a viewpoint, and explore that. But good authors will explore it from all angles. Yes, yes. Whereas almost all of this was very anti-religion. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't consider myself an overly religious person, but there comes a point where as a viewer of a story, when I feel like I am being, I was going to say preached at, but that's literally the wrong word, lectured mm-hmm. or admonished for potential beliefs or whatever that I may or may not have, you know, kind of a thing, it's a little off-putting. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I commented when we watched season one that when they were quoting Genesis from their world, yeah, from the Bible, and it felt like they were introducing an element of magic into the story of Genesis. And that was when I began to wonder, okay, I get that they're establishing this isn't Christianity as we know it, but what are they trying to give us? As they tell us, this is a different Christianity. Well,
0: one of the things that, in my opinion, makes this story unique is not only the heavy religious aspect in terms of subject matter, mm-hmm. the mysterium, the the temple, if you want to include that or whatever, the concept of organized religion. Literally, you have angels in the story. Mm-hmm. You have the creator, the authority, the, the would-be God, although it was deemed to be an imposter. Depending if you believe who you believe, that kind of a thing. Well, and God had a regent. Yeah. And you've also got witches. Mm-hmm. You've got talking bears. You've got souls that are are taking the form of animals that speak. Mm-hmm. That gives it a magical fantasy element. You add in the experimentation with severing people from their demons and stuff like that, the intention craft, and you definitely get a sci-fi bent at various points in the story mm-hmm. the severing okay that made more sense than just this flying hovering gunship or whatever
1: i never understood how they were harnessing power from the severing like it in effect electrical power if you will from severing the demon from the human
0: i took it along the lines of kind of the splitting of the atom mm-hmm Okay. Energy is released. I don't know exactly quite how we we capture that, but I know we can. Okay. So, there are aspects of the science that – and it was very much being treated like nuclear power because we're going to make a bomb. Yeah. Yeah, there was that. And there were a couple of times a few bombs went off and it's like, okay, in one or two places, nobody really seemed hurt. A little confusing.
1: Well, one of the bombs, I had a good theory on why no one was
0: dead. Well, if you're already dead – It's hard to get hurt. Yeah.
1: I mean, I kind of loved a bomb going off in the land of the dead.
0: I would have loved it if it blew them back to life. (laughs) That would have been funny. Yeah. I mean, certainly I'm down on aspects of the season, the story, but overall, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. It had some interesting stuff. It had some great acting.
1: I love the acting. Several of the worlds I love.
0: The way they realized the worlds- kudos to the special effects team Mm -hmm. when we got kind of the safari world the world of the dead Mm -hmm. had a very down and dark feel to it and there were a couple of episodes where scenes on certain worlds had a particular director versus the main director and i think that makes sense because in a few places you just needed one or two of the actors for that Mm -hmm. you know and other times it's such a a different visual or different feel or like when in the uh, penultimate episode one director for the action sequences. Yeah. Get somebody and play to their strengths. Yeah.
1: I was surprised how much I liked the character Gracious Wings. Yes. Not a character I would normally like the appearance of or enjoy, but that was a very well-used character.
0: It was. I thought there was an opportunity for an end note with the character yes. versus what we got. Yes. But that that one worked. I mean, again, overall, they, they introduced a couple of new characters. They- Certainly moved some of the story along. There were a few things that I thought they introduced but never really established. The insect-sized people. Yes, yes. There was a, a implication they live. Their lifespan is measured in like three or four years, maybe. Mm-hmm. But that just came out in like a speech or whatever. We'd had them for a while. It's like, where did they come from? What are they? What's going on? And mm-hmm. I felt that was just kind of glossed over.
1: Yes. And one of them didn't seem to do their job very well.
0: No, but the other problem I had is when you get a line of dialogue of whether you live three years, cut to one of them, Mm -hmm. you know, however long a human lives or 300 years for the witches or millennium for the angels kind of a thing, we're all mortal in some sense. I never got the sense with these tiny, you know, insect type, I say insect, they basically were human with retractable wings like uh, dragonflies or something like that. Mm -hmm. I never got the sense that they- aged faster.
1: Mhm. Near die.
0: Because if your lifespan is say 3 years. Mm-hmm. A couple of days is like a couple of months for us. Yeah. So either they should learn faster or or something. Mhm. You know, or we see them them vis- visibly age somehow. But the problem is we always saw them from a distance. Yeah. And they they looked like an action figure kind of a thing and it was hard to really make out the details of Wait, which one is this again?
1: They all have pretty much the same haircut. Yeah. Kind of a Romulan haircut. I was going to go
0: Vulcan, but Romulan's just as good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Romulan, Dragonfly, you know, action figure guys. Yep. And they were they were not bad, but they could have been better established.
1: I was surprised where Mrs. Coulter and Lyra started the season.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that had some interesting aspects. Having the deaf girl or the mute girl or whatever... So, we had the sign language and stuff Mm -hmm. was interesting.
1: We chose to turn on subtitles for her scenes, and I was glad we did.
0: Yeah. The use of subtitles, I appreciated because otherwise, it's like, I I don't know what's going on. I I don't read sign language.
1: Neither do I, and I wanted to know what was being said. I'm, I'm sure that I would have been fine without knowing, but I wanted to know. And that's a scene where I wish they'd just gone ahead and subtitled it without my needing to turn them on
0: well and when we got to what we've called safari world and stuff with the elephant like mulifas, Mulefas. and mary the scholar is, is with them and learning their language and how they take us through that journey with the creature uh, atoll speaks we get subtitles and then parts of them ripple into english yeah but it depends what has Mary learned so far.
1: Yeah, that was beautifully done. And it's like that's
0: really interesting. And given this is I'm sure going to a global audience, I'm mm-hmm. sure that you know while I, I appreciate the, the artistry of that, I'm not sure if the I guess the subtitlers or whatever necessarily did. Yeah, but they again, they did a knockout job there mm-hmm. And this was a season where they had a lot of effects they had to do. There were a number of places where I think they optimized the budget for which ones they did and didn't do. Yeah. When we got the deaf girl, it took me a couple of shots into the scene. Cause at this point, we don't know which world we're on. Mm-hmm. Is it a world with demons or not? And it's like, oh, there's an animal following her down the stairs. Maybe that's her demon. But we hadn't seen it in the last few scenes. Cause they were just a couple of times. It's like, yeah, we're not going to show the demon just yet. And it's like, I needed that to ground me on the world, I needed it to understand. So, yeah, that was confusing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we ever saw that demon speak. No. And we never saw Mrs. Coulter's demon speak. Right. And again, not entirely sure what to make of that. They made a a bit at the end of she's able to squelch her emotions or or do something that makes her unique, which is reflected in her relationship with her demon and such. Mm -hmm. And that's why she could control the specters last season. That comes into play this season. Yeah. so. Some of that, I think, was arguably foreshadowed, but I've got to balance that with how the windows and doorways and stuff that the one guy was using first season worked differently second season because he had to go through the Nexus world that we were never seeing the first time. Yeah. So, I mean, I get when you write a series of novels, you think the first is a one-off and you get asked for a sequel. You got to change things up. It's like a TV show that the pilot is a little different than the ongoing series. Mm Mm-hmm. This is what gets the the project sold and you run with it afterwards and you make changes. It happens. But it's sometimes noticeable that that happens too. And I felt it was kind of that way here. Mm -hmm. So, I think they pretty much landed the ending. Mm -hmm. It, again, was in a different way than I was sort of expecting.
1: For me, it was very different than I was expecting because I honestly thought we would see some sense of consequences
0: from the war having been fought. Well, given they had an entire episode after that, they had time for that. You know, I just, something. The problem is, by the time the war had ended, most of the characters we were invested in, we saw in that final episode. Will, Lyra, Serafina the Witch, Mm -hmm. Mary the the Scholar. Mm -hmm. There weren't a lot of others that we'd really gotten all that invested in to follow at the end of the war. The commander survived the war. Survived the war, reunites with his daughters, that's about all we know about him, so what else is there to say?
1: He goes back to his world and the temple's no longer abducting daughters. That's why he fought the war.
0: Fair enough, fair enough, and how does his other daughter do or whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, did she reawaken, did she not?
1: She's. She was actually running for him to hug him, which felt like a reawakening, since she was more zombie-like before.
0: It did, but... I couldn't tell if that was that daughter or not because- It I, was. Okay. Because
1: both yeah. daughters ran to him. So, yeah. The whole season had interesting, I I was going to say plot lines, but really I, I only feel they qualify as threads about love. We even got some Azriel and Mrs. Coulter love threads.
0: We did. We did. It's funny that the, the one with Will and Lyra had been kind of simmering most of second and third season. But it felt like the author realized, you know, I really got to finish that off and that's what we need that final episode for.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought in the Land of the Dead when they had Roger there.
0: Yes, yeah, some of the stuff with <laughs> Roger and Will was hilarious. It really
1: was. And uh, at one point, Lee Scoresby just kind of looks at the two like, well, I'll solve the who goes
0: first. What I found very interesting with Roger coming back in the Land of the Dead, first great way to bring him back. Yes. But- this is a show that started filming and airing before the pandemic,
2: mm-hmm.
0: 2019. So it, there was some, some gaps in there, and I'm not entirely sure when and where. I haven't looked that up. We caught up after the fact, after third season it started even. And Roger's a young character. Yeah. The actor seemed to have undergone a growth spurt, as will happen at that age. Mm-hmm. And I swear it grew like a foot, because he was head and shoulders shorter than Lyra.
1: He was like eleven or twelve when the show started, I think.
0: Yeah, and thirteenish or whatever, you know, enough to have hit that that growth spurt. Yeah. And recognizably the same character, but recognizably older. Yeah. And I thought he did a great job first season, but I think he did a honestly a better job mm-hmm. in the land of the dead here is is the slightly older character.
1: Well, and he had a tougher set of scenes here. Yeah. I mean, first season, he was the best friend, the partner in crime, mm-hmm. the, the optimistic, I know she'll come for
0: me. The sidekick.
1: Yeah. But here, he was the, I gave up hope you'd come because he's in the prison camp.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And really, the makeup job they did on him to- to make him have that, that sallow, grade look. Yes, yes. To go with the background. I don't even want to know how long they spent on makeup for the dozens
0: of people in that scene. How much of that was makeup or lighting or visual effects to just gray out everything but the leads?
1: I think it was all of the above.
0: Yeah. It was well done. It was. But selling the concept of I'd lost hope, I'd I'd lost the memories – Mm-hmm. Lyra tells the story, oh yes, I remember, and perking back up.
1: Yeah, the coming back to, if not life, yeah, a sense of joy.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm curious what he's going to do in the future. Yeah, I thought he did a good job. And again, Daphne Keene, as, as Lyra, just continues to knock the acting stuff out of the park.
1: She really does.
0: She had a wide variety of, of things to play over the, the course of this season. Arguably, she slept through the first, you know, episode or two. Not yeah, really. She, her mom was keeping her drug kind of deal. But she played that well. Mm-hmm. She, she you know, did the, the anger at times, the, the desperation at times, the really almost the Romeo and Juliet kind of mm-hmm. romance bit at the end. Mm-hmm.
1: I thought Will did really well with that being torn between I was given a mission and I have a self-professed mission.
0: Yes, yes. Well, in the scene with will and his dad Mm -hmm. of i'm not what you told me to be or wanted me to be kind of a thing yeah and i thought the dad was a bit of a jerk for for waiting that beat of no you're better yeah because you knew that line was coming yeah i mean there's there's some moments in stories where you you know exactly what the next line is symbolically if not word for word yeah and when they they take just half a beat too long to get there. It's like, come on! I knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Why'd you make me wait for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did some fun stuff. Again, I think there were some—I don't want to say weaknesses in the source material, but heavy opinionation of the source material. Yeah, that by necessity bled into the show. I'm curious if the books ended on the, and there may be another story afterwards, mm-hmm. or if that was something the show did either because there are other books that came later or because they just want to tell the stories later.
1: I was about to say it's a fascinating world. It's a fascinating multiverse. Yes. And I would love to come back to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I hope they do spinoffs.
0: I hope they do spinoffs. I hope it has the same level of attention and story crafting behind it. Because mm-hmm. this was another season where they, they redid the opening. Yeah. And Particularly at the end of the season, because as you're going through the seasons, like, we've seen that, we've seen that, nope, haven't seen that, no, well, wait, maybe that is this part here. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, we've got this, yep, that's definitely, we just thought that this episode. And it doesn't telegraph the season, but in hindsight, you see how it summarizes the season yeah, without spoiling anything. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a fine line to walk.
1: Well, and I continue to love- the bit they do layering the multiverses.
0: Yes, yes. I almost would have liked to have seen that layering of the metaverse metaphor used as we were cutting between mm. worlds. If you kind of, okay, we're here and we kind of, you know, wipe in from the top and the bottom to this is the world we're in and we kind of scroll up to the next world and now pull apart. And do it that way. It's like, oh, this is the blue world with the blimps. This is the one with the trees and help ground us a little bit. Yeah. It's almost like how in Star Trek The Next Generation, it's like, okay, we're coming back from commercial, cut to the exterior of the Enterprise. Ah, we're on the ship, back in. Yep. You know? Because yeah. there were a couple of times where we jumped worlds between scenes. It's like, which one are we on? Oh, okay. And I, I have no idea how many worlds we were on this season. Because it was so unclear at times when we had jumped worlds.
1: Well, especially when Will was searching for Lyra.
0: Oh yeah, that, totally. That episode alone probably bumped up the count quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But we've got Temple World, Safari World, World of the Dead, just as new worlds. Mm -hmm. We go back to Will's World, Lyra's World, the Nexus World.
1: Republic World, Azrael's Republic.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've got at least seven we bounced between. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's not counting when The Scholar was kind of meandering about through worlds or when Will was searching for Lyra. Yeah. So, if, if you haven't watched this series and this sounds remotely interesting, I do recommend it. It's only seven, eight hours a season. While there are times we've got the, say, the longing glance, <laughs> but the stand there dramatically as we hover the camera around for a while and just take it in. Like, okay, it's a long shot. We didn't really move the camera or the actor. I get it. Let's move. On. There's some of that. Other than that, I don't feel they wasted our time at all. Yeah. One or two times they cut to slow-mo. It's like, <laughs> could have sped that up a little. But again, those things were, were by and large sparing and not annoying. They were noticeable for me.
1: I enjoyed Mary the Scholar's journey of discovery.
0: Yes. Following her sidetrack this season and how it played into the main track, worked for me. Mm -hmm. And in a way that Lee Scoresby's side journey, second season did not.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: Because it never really seemed to end for him. His journey was to facilitate another character's journey. Yeah. And I didn't like how that ended either. So
1: You know, if they're seriously looking at spinoffs, I'd be curious what kind of spinoff Mary could have. Yeah. I mean, with all the knowledge she gained... Sounds like it was roughly a year of wandering, maybe,
0: because she spent months on Safari World. I don't see her going back to the nunnery or to the college. I see her becoming a, I'll say a New Age guru, but Mm. write a book, go on the talking circuit. Yeah, really. Open your mind sort of a thing.
1: Could be interesting. Yeah. And hopefully keeping in touch with Will.
0: Oh, absolutely. I was shocked when they were parting ways that Lyra didn't ask her to keep an eye on Will. Yeah. Me too. It just seemed like it should have happened.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, and if Mary the Scholar does the kind of book tour, that kind of a thing, that facilitates other characters coming to her with the, I've been to other worlds and entering the story that way. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely I I would like to see more of of this multiverse, uh, if nothing else, to explain kind of the big lingering question out of this whole story that I still have. Of his dark material. <laughs> I guess the dark material was dust, but the he for his, I'm still not sure. Or is it just referring to it's the author's dark material?
1: That's funny because I was wondering if the dark material was whatever made the alethiometer and the settle knife and the amber spyglass.
0: I took it to be the it alethiometer was- d- dust powered. The knife, I don't know. Yeah, I. The bottom line is I don't know what the damn title stood for. (laughs) And that frustrates me. Yep. Is the he Lord Azrael? Is it the authority? Is is it the author?
1: If it's Lord Azrael, he got off easy seasons one and two.
0: We're getting to the third season or third episode of the season. I'm like, see, he's already put in more time this season than the rest of the series put together. James, McAvoy did a great job.
1: He really did, and he actually starred in this season. Or he did. at least
0: showed up for every episode. No, not every. He not- wasn't in the last. Oh, that's right. And there was one or two others he was not. He was in most of them though. That's funny. I do find it funny that Daphne worked with him here and Patrick Stewart in Logan. Hmm. So she's worked with, with both Professor X's so far. So waiting for McAvoy to take over as Picard at some point. <laughs>
1: I think he is too.
0: Oh yeah, I wouldn't mm. blame him. Oh, that's funny. We could do a stargazer series with him or something. I don't know. So I, again, I enjoyed it. I recommend it. I am curious about the books. Me too. I'm curious about the Golden Compass movie. We may mm-hmm. do the movie before the books. You said the author had a book on writing. Yeah, which I'm curious about. And there is also this was a BBC production, another BBC production from around 2003 that I've heard of. That Terence Stamp, who was the previous knife holder here. He played Azrael, I think, in that. And the kid who was in the Sarah Jane Adventures as like the next door neighbor or whatever. He played Will. Ah, gotcha. But I, I haven't been able to kind of chase down if that's available on DVD. I I I don't know if it was animated or live action. I've not got a lot of information about this. Interesting. So I I'd love to chase that down because my impression was it was like a three episode thing but bbc so they could be long episodes how much of the story did they cover how quickly did they cover and how much did it match or not match this Mm -hmm. so it's again interesting concept good execution here do you want to learn more
1: yeah me too anything else i think that does it
0: cool